Chin in for your mystery and music. The truth is, people can be just downright mean. Often suffering comes from the hands of those we interact with on a daily basis, or those we used to be friends with. Often these people drag others into it as well, and spread rumors about you, and talk negatively about you. They seek to really ruin your reputation. So let me ask you, when people aren't treating you kindly, when you're the subject of people's complaints and gossip, when people are jealous of you, when people are picking on you, they're treating you how you do not deserve, when people insult you, when they mock you, my question to you is, what do you run to for help? Even I'll ask you, how do you conduct yourself in the face of these relational hardships? And tonight we come to our next section in Psalm 119. This morning we looked at the second section of Psalm 119. Today we look, or tonight we look at the third, where the psalmist continues on with the subject of the Word of God. And here he shows how the Bible meets persecution. What the Word of God has to do with the sufferings we face by the hands of people. So I'd invite you to turn with me to Psalm 119. We're going to be looking at the third section, as I said, verses 17 through 24 this evening. Psalm 119, verses 17 through 24, and that will be our, our text for this evening. Psalm 119, and I'll begin reading verse 17. It says, Deal bountifully with your servant, that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. I am a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. You rebuke the insolent, accursed ones who wander from your commandments. Take away from me scorn and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. So I'd encourage you to keep open your Bibles as we go throughout this message. I don't have a handout as Pastor Reed often does on Sunday evenings, but we'll work our way through this text verse by verse to see um, what we did this morning, what these verses mean, but also how they connect, how they fit together. And to help us do that right from the start, I'll give us our theme or kind of the main idea of this section of Psalm 119, and it's this, a commitment and reliance upon the word through hardships caused by others. So Psalm 119, 17 through 24 gives us a commitment. It gives us a reliance upon the word through hardships caused by others. And we see that this is the first section as we come to Psalm 119 that brings in the component of suffering. It brings in the hardships, the difficulties of life to the conversation of our obeying and dealings with the Word of God. We see, though, that at, the first, at first glance, this section of Psalm 119 does not seem to have to do with suffering. So, in the first section, in the second section, there really wasn't much of a component of suffering, of hardship. But now we meet that here in this third section. But at first, we kind of have similar tones to the first two sections. So we see the psalmist begins by looking for God's 
help. If you look with me at verse 17, we see the psalmist begins by looking for God's help as it says this, Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. So the psalmist begins by asking God to deal bountifully with him. This means that he's asking God to treat him favorably, to be generous to him, to provide for him. And from this first phrase, we see the psalmist's understanding of God's sovereignty over him, that God's over him, that he must rely upon God and look to him to provide for him. But here we see that the psalmist isn't asking God to be generous to him in providing him whatever he wants, maybe to be rich, to have a life of ease, and no suffering, but the psalmist's great concern is that God would provide him the ability to obey his word throughout his life. As verse 17 says, deal bountifully with your servant, and then it says that I may live and keep your word. So the psalmist says, be generous to me, provide abundant, abundantly for me, so that I may live and keep your word, so that I may obey your word and continue to go through as I continue to go through my life. The psalmist's prayer, his desire from God is that God would help him to follow his word throughout his life. Now ask us, is that what we're asking for? When it comes to praying about our life, are we praying that we would live lives that follow the word of God? Are we praying that we would live lives that bring honor, that bring glory to God by obeying his commands? Is our desire of God to keep what the Bible calls us to do. And that's exactly what the author of Psalm 119 is asking for God, and we should too. When we pray about our lives, what is it we pray for? Do we pray for health? Do we pray for success? Do we pray for a life of ease? Shouldn't we be praying after the example of the Bible itself and praying for a life of obedience, a life that follows the Word of God? With this being said, we also learned from the example set here that we need God's help to do this. And we thought about this this morning. If you were here this morning, in the second section, we thought exactly about this type of thing of relying upon God to obey his commands, that we need God's intervention if we want to keep his word. We're going to see something very similar in this very next verse. But for now, I'll simply say we can't get enough reminders not only a reminder that this should be our desire and prayer to obey God's word, but that we can't do it on our own. How often do you seek to live how the Bible calls us without any thought of God? How often do you seek to resist sin without a prayer for God's help? How often do you decide to focus on something in your obedience that maybe has been lacking? You evaluate your life, you think about an area that I need to obey God in this way, but you don't look to God for his strength, for his power to do so. This is all too often how we operate, trying to obey without looking to God for his help. And verse 17 begins by challenging us to do exactly this. Verse 17 could be a verse we quote to ourselves as we get up out of bed in the morning, each morning. What a great reminder of what our desire should be to start out the day. What a great reminder of the help that we need to accomplish what we've been called to. Now we come to verse 18, and as I said, so far, so good. It seems as if we're kind of going along the same, uh, the same ways as the first two sections. No suffering, no hardship, 
as we see in verse 18, that there's a continued realization for the psalmist's need, and especially in understanding God's word. If you look with me at verse 18, Psalm 119, 18 says, Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. It's a familiar verse, kind of like this morning. We got some verses that you may already have memorized. But we see that the psalmist, he gets it. That if he's to follow God's word, then he needs to be able to know it. He needs to be able to understand it. So we ask God that God would open his eyes to see wonderful things in God's law. So the psalmist prays in verse 17 that God would provide him, provide for him a life of obedience. And now we get a second prayer in this section of Psalm 119, and that's that he might understand. In connection with verse 17, we see to obey, we need to know. And we see just like to obey, we need God. So too, to know, to understand, we need God as well. We need to rely on God. And we see the psalmist shows that this is a continual process. It's obvious that he knew some things about God's word, but we see he shows a desire and a need to know more. Even when we become Christians, if you think about it, we don't just instantaneously know all of God's word. We need to continue to get to know it to understand it. We don't understand every facet of the Word of God. So the psalmist gets that he doesn't know everything, that there is much more to learn, so he seeks God's help. If you think about your own life, the more you read the Bible, the more you study the Bible, just so you're being honest with yourself, the more you realize how much you don't know. I know I've found that in my studying reading of the Word of God. So we see the psalmist realizes the same exact thing here. Again, as we think of verse 18, I love the wording here when he talks about the things in God's law. He describes them as wondrous things, wonderful, extraordinary, amazing things in the Word of God. And I'll ask us, how often when we come to our Bibles do we find them boring, plain, uninteresting? When you think about it, we need to say that this isn't a problem with our Bibles, but there's a problem with us. Our sinfulness, our finiteness causes us to, to have blinders on so that we don't see the wonderful things in God's law. This should be our prayer anytime we come to the Bible, that God would help us to understand, that he would reveal the meaning of his word to us, that he would show us the connections, that he'd show us the truths that are utterly amazing. Anytime we come to the Bible to read the Bible or study the Bible or memorize or meditate upon it, we should say this prayer, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Owning up to the fact that by ourselves we look at the Bible wrongly and don't fully understand it. And ultimately we see again as we connect verse 18 and verse 17 that understanding, that seeing these wonderful things isn't just so that we can go flaunting them around, even just so that we don't have or that we have Bible trivia in our minds but so that we might keep the Word of God in our lives, so that we might live lives of obedience. Verse 18 should be our prayer so that we might live more faithful lives to God. As we continue through the psalm, we've seen a reliance upon God for a life of obedience, but also we've seen, secondly, a reliance upon God for an understanding of the Bible. Now as we move to verses 19 and 20, and we take them together, we see this aspect that we see makes up the rest of this section of hardships caused by people or persecution 
We see this hardship and suffering from the first line of verse 19. If you look with me at Psalm 119, verse 19, it says, I am a sojourner on the earth. The writer of this psalm describes himself as a sojourner. This word speaks of an outsider, someone who doesn't belong. It speaks of a foreigner. Some take this phrase that I am a sojourner on the earth to mean that the psalmist is saying that this world is not ultimately his home, that though he lives on earth, heaven is ultimately his home. And though this is true, though this is certainly taught in the Bible, I don't believe that this is the focus or what this, is, what this means from the psalmist here in this verse as we look at the context. You just preview the rest of the verses with me to understand the meaning of verse 19. We see three times the psalmist speaks about people who are causing him pain and trouble and would certainly be causing him to feel like an outsider, to feel like he doesn't belong, to feel like this sojourner, a feeling of loneliness. If you look at verse 21, the first line says, You rebuke the insolent, accursed ones. Speaking of the people that are, he's dealing with, he's interacting with. We'll look at that verse more in a moment. Verse 22 says, take away from me scorn and contempt. That's what he's dealing with. And then verse 23, even though princes sit plotting against me. So people are literally scheming against his life, trying to set him up for failure. So I don't believe here in this phrase, I am a sojourner on the earth, that he's saying that this world is not his home and instead heaven is, but rather I believe the psalmist is speaking of how he feels due to the suffering, due to the hurt brought about by others. And I believe we can see this clearly, that the psalmist feels like he's an outsider. He's not accepted due to the insults, due to the mocking that are coming from others. So ask us tonight, have you ever felt alone, not accepted, belittled, hated, an outcast, not liked, not because of anything you did wrong, but because people were jealous of you. They were upset that maybe you're a Christian or they're trying to make their, themselves feel good. And if so, the psalmist knows how you felt and are feeling maybe right now if you're experiencing this. The psalmist not only can relate with you, but the psalmist actually gives us a way forward this evening, a way of living in the here and now. That is what this section of Psalm 119 is all about. What does the Bible have to do with our sufferings caused by others? How are we to conduct ourselves when people are just straight up mean? And remember the first two verses. They very much so relate. At first, they might seem a little disconnected. Where's the suffering in there? But we get to see the psalmist's focus. We get to see even what his priority is in his suffering he feels like an outsider, he has been hurt, he's in pain, and yet as we saw in verse 17, his desire, his prayer through this suffering is not ultimately for relief or comfort, not for resolution, but ultimately he wants God to help him to follow his word in the midst of this suffering. In his suffering, the psalmist desires to obey the word of God. And we saw in verse 18 to understand God's word as well. So in the face of difficulties, brought about by others, the psalmist sets an example of desiring to live a life that obeys and understands the Word of God. So this psalm doesn't act like life's easy, that we will never face problems, that people are always nice, but this psalm is real. 
It talks about things we've dealt with in our relationships or dealing with currently or maybe you'll deal with in the future. And it teaches how we're to continue to be committed and rely upon the Word of God through it. So verse 19, the first line, we see that the psalmist feels like an outsider. He feels like a foreigner, and yet he continues to desire the Word of God. As was just mentioned, this is shown looking at the first two verses, but we also see this in the second line of verse 19. And then all of verse 20 reiterates that this, that this suffering um, has been introduced. So if you look with me at verse 19 again, it says, I am a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. And then verse 20 says, My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. So in the second line of verse 19, the psalmist asks that God wouldn't hide his word from him, meaning that he's asking what he did in verse 18, that he might know and understand his word. But then in verse 20, we get something a bit shocking. It says this, My soul is consumed with longing for. My soul is consumed with longing for. What would we expect to be said? What would he be longing for through this, these hardships caused by others, through this suffering? What would we expect him to be longing for? Relief? Maybe comfort? For an end to the suffering? For justice? None of these things are mentioned as you read on. Instead, the psalmist announces he longs and desires God's word. Verse 20 says, My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. Speaking of God's word, through his suffering, he longs, he desires, he wants the word of God. How often when we are suffering, do we just want it to end? For people to treat us nicely, for the relationships to be restored. And ultimately, and we're going to see this later on, that's not wrong to want that, to desire that. But the psalmist here realizes that it might not end. It might continue that he doesn't necessarily have the power to stop the suffering, so he desires for God's word to know it and to live by it through his suffering. And he says at all times, if you look again at verse 20, it says, my soul is consumed with longing for your rules. And then we get this phrase, at all times. At all times shows a consistency about this longing. It's not just for a moment. It's not even just in the beginning of our suffering. But he continues to look to God's word over and over again. Each day it continues. Each moment he's reminded of the suffering he's going through with each additional hurt. So the first step is actually to turn to the word of God when we face hardship. Often we don't even do that. But maybe we do, but we often fall into another pattern. Maybe at first it can be easy to look to the word in our struggles to rely upon it, to teach us how to act and live to look to it for comfort, for encouragement. But what if things don't get better? If the person that's causing you hardship, the person that's treating you unkindly, doesn't stop, we ultimately see that the psalmist here is saying that he continues to long and desire and to want to obey the Word of God. Often we can start to think that makes no difference that we're seeking to follow the Word of God. So the psalmist presents the example in the model for endurance, for steadfastness, 
are continuing to go back and rely upon God's word through trials and hardships. So the first four verses we've seen the psalmist's desire and striving to know and obey the word of God, though he feels like an outsider. And now we see he presents those who have caused him these struggles and hardships. And we see a description of them and how God views them. If you look at Psalm 119, 21, it says, You rebuke the insolent, accursed ones who wander from your commandments. So he speaks of the rebuke or the punishment that will come upon those bringing about this suffering upon his life. Through this, he shows God's view of them. He says, you, speaking of God, you rebuke them. You punish them. He shows that they're in the wrong, that God doesn't look on them favorably. But we also see that he describes them in three ways, which kind of helps us get an idea of what the psalmist is dealing with. And we're going to see more of this later, but it starts to help us get a picture of what is this guy really dealing with here. First, we get the word insolent, which speaks of those who are arrogant. Those who do and say what they want without a care in the world for other people's feelings or for anyone else. They're arrogant. We see he describes them as accursed ones, meaning that they are cursed that harm and punishment will come to them. And then thirdly, he describes them as those who stray, of, stray away from following God's word. Again, it says, you rebuke the insolent, accursed ones. And then thirdly, he describes them as who wander from your commandments. So they're ultimately people who don't desire, who don't seek to follow the word of God. These are the people that are causing him this hardship, this suffering. So we kind of get a glimpse of who he's dealing with, and we're going to see more soon. But first, as we continue on, we then get a prayer for relief. If you look at verse 22, verse 22 says, Take away from me scorn and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. So as I said, we see more in this prayer for relief about who the psalmist is dealing with. So before we get to the request, we'll, we'll kind of add on to who he's dealing with. He speaks of scorn, which speaks of insults, taunts, hurtful words that he's receiving from others. And then he speaks of contempt. This word contempt speaks of being made fun of, being mocked publicly. We all know what, it, what it's like that when words can be used as daggers, how they can cut us deep and cause us great pain and embarrassment. And that's what the psalmist is dealing with. So he's not just, he's not just dealing with a, a good-natured or a simple good-natured joke. Someone doesn't just say something jokingly to him. As I said, this word contempt means of being made fun of. Sometimes this can be used in a, in a nice way, just a joke, but it's an aggressive, it's an intentional way of going against him and bringing hurt to his life that he's dealing with. We see that's what he's dealing with. That's his struggle. My question is, have you ever experienced these types of things? Maybe this is what you're going through right now. This psalm speaks right to your situation. As we think about this, we now come to the request as it comes right in the beginning of verse 22. Verse 22, if you look with me there, we see the psalmist asks God to intervene. As it says, take away from me scorn and contempt take away from me 
is the request. He's asking God to take these things, these insults, this making fun of away from him. He asks God to make it end, to resolve it, to put a stop to it. He asks for relief. As I mentioned earlier, he doesn't start here asking for it to end. He realizes it might not end. So his desire is ultimately to continue to be steadfast in his committedness to the Word of God. But at the same time, we also see here it isn't wrong for him to ask God to end his suffering. Again, this is a very real psalm. Often we want our suffering to end. But the point here is that the psalmist doesn't start there. He does ask God to make it stop eventually. But we need to remember that it might not. And I think the psalmist realizes that, that it might continue with no end in sight. And we're to follow the psalmist's example, as we see here in these verses, to continue to live faithfully through it. And he shows that once again in verse 22. If you look again there, it says, Take away from me scorn and contempt. And then it says, For I have kept your testimonies. He shows that despite suffering, he continues to obey the word of God. He didn't give up. He didn't throw up his hands and turn to act like those causing him this hardship. But he continued on seeking to follow the word of God. And I think that's an important thing to say here. Oftentimes when we might deal with insults, we might deal with people mocking us, making fun of us. The temptation is for us to act the same exact way, to retaliate, to say things back to them, to get even. We see that the psalmist doesn't do that here. He rather turns to the Word of God to follow it. And we see this section ends with verses 23 and 24. I'll read those for us. It says, Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. So verse 23 speaks of, the, of his struggle once again. This theme is made so clear throughout this section that of his relational struggles. And this time, we kind of get an added component that here it's leaders and those in positions of authority are scheming against him. Maybe you've had a boss that didn't care for you, or maybe you have had a teacher that didn't like you for any good reason. Maybe it was actually your faith that really impacted the way that they treated you so badly. This is what the psalmist is experiencing here. And yet, we're told of three ways that the psalmist relies upon the word. He says, even though, even though princes sit plotting against me, even though that's taking place, he will look to the word. His suffering directs him to the word. It encourages him to rely upon the word of God. And we see this in three specific ways. Three ways are given of how he stays committed and relies upon the word of God through his suffering. The first is found in verse 23, if you look with me there. It says, Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. So the first is this idea that we looked at this morning of meditation. It speaks of talking with yourself about the word of God. It's thinking about, it's pondering the word of God. And we see this is what the psalmist resorts to. He knows people don't like him. He knows people are out to get him. He knows people are actively seeking his downfall. And what does he do? Maybe more specifically, I'll say, what consumes his mind? Not anxious thoughts of what might happen. 
Not thoughts of rage or revenge, but he fills his mind with the word of God. He brings God's word to mind in the midst of hardships. Certainly, they could bring comfort to him. They also could be reminders of how he must respond and act and speak during these difficult times. But that's what fills the mind of the psalmist. When people are hurting you and you know they're actively scheming against you, you might ask us, how do we respond? What fills our mind? What do you usually think about when you're dealing with hardships with people? Here we're challenged to meditate upon the Word of God. Maybe even uh, we could say instead of staying up at night thinking about who's hurt you, how they've hurt you, we could recite the Word of God in our mind. Think about what it means. Think about how you should maybe live differently, act differently. Instead of constantly thinking about the painful words someone just said and letting it offend you and causing you to retaliate, fill your mind with the Word of God. Maybe a verse that brings comfort, speaks of who God is, or maybe a verse that especially challenges you in that moment not to retaliate, to act in a godly way in this difficult situation. So the first way is meditation. The second way that he interacts with the Word of God in this suffering is found in verse 24. It says in the first line of verse 24, your testimonies are my delight. Your testimonies are my delight. How do we feel when people say hurtful things or don't like us? How do we feel? We can feel alone. We can feel down. We can even feel stressed. The psalmist says that he has delight. He's glad. He's pleased, which is the exact opposite. Not because of the situation he's in, but because of what the Word of God brings him. So he certainly might feel alone. He might feel down. Even he says, I'm a sojourner, and I believe that's him showing that he feels alone. He feels like an outcast, but yet he can have delight. He can be glad. Not because of the situation or the circumstance that he's in, but because of the Word of God. Both reading and knowing the Word but also seeing the result of obeying the Word in his life. The Word can bring gladness when we're upset and sad in our suffering. And then lastly, we're given a third way, and that's how our section of Psalm 119 closes out. It says, Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. They're my counselors. So in his suffering, the psalmist looks to the Word for direction. He doesn't look to others or his own wise thoughts, but he looks to the Word of God and how he should respond, how he should conduct himself. This word, counselors, speaks of advice. He looks to God's Word for advice in this situation. He's letting God's Word speak into his situation and give him guidance, just like we might think of a human counselor. He's going to the Word of God as his counselor. In our suffering, go to the Bible for counsel and direction. Look to God and His wisdom that He's laid out in His Word for how you should respond and conduct yourself. The psalmist desires to stay faithful to God in the midst of his suffering, and we should too, by relying upon the wisdom and the counsel given in the Bible. So I began tonight by saying people can be downright mean. It's the truth. By saying hurtful things or trying to disrupt our lives, at some point, 
if it's at work, if it's at school, if it's with our family, it's with our friends, if it's someone you hardly know or maybe someone you know very well, even it could be a fellow brother or sister in Christ, we will encounter suffering at the hands of others. And the cool thing is this psalm shows that's a very real thing. It shows that that's something that we're going to encounter. It's maybe not going to be unique in our lives to deal with people and have relational hardships. And the question I'll just close with this evening is, will you remain committed and reliant upon God's Word? Will that be the first, will that be what you first turn to for comfort and for guidance? Let us just close in a word of prayer. Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity we have to just look at Psalm 119 this morning and this evening. And Lord, I just pray for those that might be dealing with just relationship hardships, difficulties, interacting with others. And Lord, I pray that you would comfort them. Lord, I feel for them and know just the stress, the sadness that that can really bring, how relationships can be torn apart by people's words, people's actions towards others. And Lord, I pray that you'd heal those relationships, that you bring restoration. But I pray for those dealing with these things, dealing with someone that's trying to hurt them with their words, I pray, God, that you would help them to turn to your word, to look to the Bible for counsel, for comfort, for guidance, for direction. And Lord, I pray that that would be something that you'd remind us daily, even as we saw in the beginning, that the psalmist asked for you to deal bountifully with him so that he might obey your word. And Lord, I pray that that would be our prayer each and every day, relying upon you, realizing that you are the one who provides these things for us. And Lord, I just pray that you would help this psalm to be a psalm that comes to mind when we are dealing with these relational hardships. God, I pray that you'd be with our weeks. Pray that you'd be with the teens of our congregation with Team Week coming up. Pray that they'd be a light for you to their friends. I pray for our work weeks as we go to work and interact with coworkers. I pray for our family life, Lord, that you would help us to live lives that are honoring and pleasing to you in all these areas. And in your name I pray. Amen.